the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Well, there was a Michigan senator who was sitting in on the Janet Yellen hearings yesterday before the Senate. And this is why... Maybe sometimes when they go to you on the podium and say, uh, you know, the the gentleman from, or in her case, the uh, gentle lady from, you should just pass. <laughs> because when Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan got her moment in the spotlight yesterday, she instantly became the star of a bunch of Republican 2022 midterm election commercials. And I dare say she spoke 30 seconds that will summarily end her career as a three-term senator from the state of Michigan once she comes up for re-election in 2024. Because here is Debbie Stabenow after Janet Yellen has been called on the carpet for gas prices soaring to $5 plus per gallon. Senator Stabenow takes a stab at telling everybody, you know, it's really not so bad if you would just do what I do. I do have to say just on the issue of uh, uh, gas prices after waiting for a long time uh, to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle. I got it uh, and drove it from Michigan to here uh, this last weekend and went by every single gas station and didn't matter how high it was. And so I'm looking forward to the opportunity for us to move to vehicles that aren't going to be dependent on the um, whims of the oil companies and the uh, international markets. Let them eat cake or let them drive electric vehicles. Uh, Now, it should be noted that as a senator, Debbie Stabenow works about 125 days a year at an annual salary of $174,000 plus plus reimbursement for her travel back and forth to Michigan. Uh, Perks you and I could not imagine, including the best health care possible at no additional cost to her. The average income of a Michigan family, I looked this up today, is $81,000. So she makes twice what the average Michigan family makes. And she purchased an electric vehicle, she says, which the average cost of an electric vehicle is $57,000. And I thought it was very interesting. Do you pay attention to the very start of her statement? She's been a, she's been in the U.S. House of Representatives 1997 to 2001. Then she went to the Senate to fill the term of somebody who left. So she got a partial term, and then she ran for re-election in 06, 2012, and 2018. 
her margins have declined every time, I know, shockingly enough, being the woman of the people that she is. But listen to the very beginning of her statement, where she talks about being able to buy an electric car. And I think her phrasing here is is very curious, but also very telling. I do have to say, just on the issue of uh, uh, gas prices, after waiting for a long time uh, to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle. I- after waiting a long time to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle. Does that, does that call to mind anything with you? When I heard that, I thought, she sounds like a Soviet politician. She sounds like a member of the Communist Party in the old USSR who was among the favored class that was allowed to buy things. But the rest of you peasants, <laughs> you're not entitled. You go wait in line for your bread. You go, you're never going to eat steak again. But I'm a member in good standing of the Communist Party. So I have enough chips to finally get my electric vehicle. So Debbie Stabenow is saying that, you know, the fix for high gas prices is what Pete Buttigieg has told you. Who else has said that? Just, just get an electric car. <laughs> Come on, idiot. Why has nobody from the Biden administration proposed a similar effective end to homelessness? I mean, imagine. If all you need to do to bypass, in her words, every gas station on the way to Washington because she has an electric car. Now, this begs a question. I'll get back to the homeless. I'll get back to the pro- homeless problem in a moment. What are the odds Debbie Stabenow is telling the truth that she left her home in Michigan in an electric car and drove all the way to Washington by her own assessment by every gas station without having to stop and charge her electric vehicle? What are the odds? She didn't mention stopping. She she portrayed a picture where she just soars right on by like George Jetson in a flying car with Astro sitting on the seat beside him. Just just painless. Totally painless. I don't think that's possible to drive from Michigan to Washington, D.C. without having to stop and charge your car. More on that in a moment. Back to the homeless problem. If Debbie Stabenow is right and all you have to do to fix the problem of high gas prices is to go out and buy a $57,000 electric car, why doesn't the Biden administration come up with the panacea for homelessness and just tell every single homeless person to just go out and buy a home? Same logic, right? If all you have to do to avoid gas prices is not buy gas, then all you have to do to avoid homelessness is buy a home, will you? How dumb are these homeless people? I mean, go buy a home. See, that's an idiotic suggestion, as is her suggestion, an idiotic suggestion. And here's what the climate freaks never tell you. Oh, we cut down on carbon emissions when you pilot an electric vehicle. Okay, let's say you're right. Where does the power for the electric vehicle come from? How is it generated? 
Who makes the batteries? What goes into the batteries? Are there any carbon emissions created in the mining of the lithium and other materials that go into the batteries? What happens to the batteries when they are at the end of their life? How do we dispose of said batteries? Is that good for the environment? They never ask those things. They never answer those things because it requires a thinking person, a smart person, someone who is not an empty-headed fool to ask those questions. Now, a reporter from the Wall Street Journal, Rachel Wolf, decided she would put to the test this democratic fantasy story of, oh, just buy an electric vehicle. Everything will be great. So she, for the Wall Street Journal, set about on a trip from New Orleans to Chicago in a brand new Kia EV6 to test not only the vehicle, but America's current electric vehicle capabilities and public charging infrastructure. By the end of her trip, she said, the fumes of gasoline never smelled so sweet. Her column said that the EV vehicle covered a much shorter range than expected. It was difficult to charge with different hookups and the like. Sometimes the cords and the charging was a little bit finicky. Many of the roadside charging stations were slower than advertised, listed as high speed, but not in fact high speed. And there were wide swaths of the country that had no fast charging stations, causing them to detour off their preferred course. And they said that they spent more time charging the car on the trip than they did sleeping. More time charging the car than they did sleeping. So that blows apart the idea that all you do is just pull up to the hotel, plug in the car. In the morning, it's good to go. No, apparently it's not good to go if it took her longer to charge the car than it did to sleep. And one night she slept only four hours so she could get up early in the morning and get access to a charging station. So I know it's a shocker. They're just lying to you. They are totally, completely, unrepentantly lying to you. I hate to end the show with a couple of very sad things, but um, they compel me to share them with you. Uh, Prayers for University of Dayton basketball coach Anthony Grant and his wife. Uh, Their daughter, 20-year-old girl, 20-year-old girl, uh, has died. And it certainly seems like um, the indications are that she took her own life. Uh, No confirmation of that outwardly, but the statement from Anthony Grant uh, says, On behalf of my entire family, I want to express our heartfelt appreciation and gratitude for all your prayers, love, kindness, and words of encouragement following the passing of our daughter, sister, and family member, Jada Danielle Grant. Jada battled with mental health issues over the past two years and was in therapy and treatment in the weeks and months prior to her death. He said, as we grieve our beloved Jada, please know that our faith and your prayers sustain us and give us strength. I have no idea what happened here, uh, but over the last two years, of course, that does coincide with pandemic and uh, all kinds of shutdowns and things like that. And so um, just an extremely, extremely sad story. Um, 
We are not equipped uh, unless we are enabled by the uh, grace and compassion of the Holy Spirit to cope with uh, the death of a child as a parent. Uh, Sadly, that is something that the parents in Uvalde, Texas, uh, have to deal with now. In the wake of the school shooting, uh, one of the parents, Kimberly Rubio, was testifying today uh, to Congress about what happened on May the 24th. Um, Give a listen to what she had to say. On the morning of May 24th, 2022, I dropped Lexi and Julian off at school a little after 7 a.m. My husband and I returned to the campus at 8 a.m. for Julian's award ceremony and again at 10.30 a.m. for Lexi's award ceremony. Lexi received the Good Citizen Award and was also recognized for receiving all A's. At the conclusion of the ceremony, we took photos with her before asking her to pose for a picture with her teacher, Mr. Reyes. That photo, her last photo ever, was taken at approximately 10.54 a.m. To celebrate, we promised to get her ice cream that evening. I told her we loved her and we would pick her up after school. I can still see her walking with us toward the exit. In the reel that keeps scrolling across my memories, she turns her head and smiles back at us to acknowledge my promise. And then we left. I left my daughter at that school, and that decision will haunt me for the rest of my life. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier to listen to from there. And it's very easy to put yourself in her position because if you're a parent and you've had a child in school, we've all been there. We've all been to those award ceremonies where they get honored for their accomplishments in certain academic endeavors or good citizen behavior or the like. And we take those pictures and we put them on our refrigerator and we, you know, we make those moments uh, that in the best of circumstances end up pictures on a big board, a big collage of pictures at the child's graduation party as they're getting ready to go out into the world. And, and that little girl won't have that, won't have that party. And um, I thought it was important to play her testimony because it does make, and we know it's real. We know it happened. We know how awful it is. It's cognitively we get all of it. But hearing it expressed in those kind of heartfelt terms, um, I think is good for all of us to hear and to... um, Imagine's not the right word. Place ourselves there. She goes on to describe the rest of the day and how she found out that her daughter was not going to be transported from the school on a bus to the community center where other parents were waiting for their children to show up. So, very powerful testimony today. And, you know, yesterday Matthew McConaughey, the actor, was at the White House. And I'm always, like, inherently skeptical of... uh, any celebrity who goes to the White House. He's a native of Uvalde, Texas, so I I understand why he was there. And, of course, the Biden administration is not going to have him in if he's going to not articulate what their approved position is on this. Um, and he told a story, too, that, um, you know, it's hard to hear. 
It's um, a little girl who was identified by the green high-top Converse shoes that she wore to school every day on which she had colored a heart on the toe. And a part of me is like, okay, I guess we need to know that because that was the only way they could identify her, was the shoes. But I don't know how I feel about the fact that they had to tell us that story and they had to have the shoes there and they look like brand new shoes. And I'm just suspicious of, it's a very hard line, a very fine line to walk, you know, to hear enough detail about Uvalde to not let it become just a May 24th headline that sticks with us like a day, two, three, four, a week. Um, and then goes away because it shouldn't ever go away. It'll never go away for the victims there and their families. Um, but I but I just don't know about how I feel about such searing personal details being used as a visual demonstration to underscore a political message. I think that went over the line. And I question whether the shoes at the White House could be the actual shoes the girl wore. Because is the investigation over? Are they in the habit of allowing evidence in the investigation to be shipped to the White House and used for a demonstrated political talking point? Or are those shoes that somebody bought and colored the heart on the toe as a facsimile of the real pair of shoes? And if so, that's not in my mind, right. So that testimony's out there. That video is out there. If you want to watch it, uh, you certainly can. And I think some of it is healthy to watch. Some of it is healthy to watch just because it freshens in our mind what those families continue to go through. And if only if it only motivates us to continue to pray for those families and to continue to extend whatever uh, compassion and empathy that we can across the miles, I think it's good for that. Uh Tomorrow night is the big primetime hearings on the January 6th insurrection. This is what Democrats are hanging their hat on to avert epic disaster in the midterm elections. They have the big president of ABC News trying to turn it into must-see TV. And it's funny to me, Democrats want this hearing to demonize Donald Trump and anybody aligned with Donald Trump. And I laugh at their strategy because I think it is inarguable. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.